This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, Food for the Hungry, and Hope International University, I bring you a podcast to help you get better at the craft of teaching and preaching with the hope that our character will always lead the way. If you're like me, you are already thinking about your Easter message. You're, you're, you're looking for that, that spark, that sense of inspiration. And I just want to invite you to hear a bit of a song. And the song um, was released uh, on 224, February 24th, and it's called Imagine. It's um, from the one of the writers of the song Promises by Mav City. Uh, his name's Carrington Gaines, and, and he's a part of Forest City Worship. The song's called Imagine. And I'm telling you, the first time I heard it, it was like a spark, something just inside of me. It was like, I could see what the Lent season was going to be. I could see what the Good Friday message could be. I I could see what Easter was going to be. And I don't know, so, some of you, maybe you already got your Easter message done. Fantastic, fantastic. But if you need a spark, I want you to hear this song just a bit. It's it's an eight minute song. Your team could do it. Your team could do it. It's throwback to a hymn at the at, towards the end of the song. The lyrics um, just bring you um, to the foot of the cross. It just it makes you um, literally imagine it all up again. And I just wanted you to hear this. Um, you should go download it, go get it, um, listen to it, get it to your worship pastor. <laughs> Cause I think, I think many of you are going to be like, Oh my goodness, this is the song of the year. Oh my goodness. This song is something that, um, needs to be part of our lead up for Easter or maybe even the special during Easter or maybe, um, what Good Friday is all built around, but give it a listen. Here's a minute clip from Imagine, and then we'll dive into our Crafting Character podcast. Isn't that song just so special? I'm just telling you, it is so, so special. So go get it. Uh, a link will be in the show notes, um, but check it out. Imagine it's it's available wherever music can be found. But today, I'm excited. We are going to learn from the one, the only, Ricky Jenkins. Ricky Jenkins is a fourth-generation pastor. Uh, he is at Southwest Church in Indian Wells, California, which is a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church that 
prides itself on its love for Christ, the cross and discipleship. And I'll tell you what, Ricky is just one of the most fantastic preachers. And he's been in a series um, all kind of connected around the rhythms. And he is He's just one of my favorites to listen to. I, I, I love tuning into Pastor Ricky on a regular basis. And um, he's he's got this uh, teach he did recently um, called Move On. And he's, he's walking through a chunk of Ezra. And man, you, you got to hear the teach. It's just fantastic. Uh, but here's a clip. And then we're going to dive into our interview with the one and only Pastor Ricky Jenkins. Because some of you are listening to this and you're saying, well, what's wrong with holding on to my past, Ricky? After all, it is my past. What happened to me really did happen to me. It is real. And some of you, even though you may not want to admit it, you're saying to yourself, Ricky, don't you understand that if I hold on to my past, don't you see that this is this mechanism for me? that makes sure that what happened in my past can't happen to me again? Ricky, it's for my defense sake. Don't you understand? And I do understand, and I empathize, but don't you understand that you are not your healer? Jesus is. And sometimes we're holding on to things that he wants to heal, and he cannot heal it if it's still in your hands. Here's your problem, though, if you're holding on to the past. Here it is. If you're holding on to your past today, your problem is that the God you serve is always doing something new. <laughs> That's the text. The text is that Jesus is saying, okay, Israel, you, you, you screwed up for like a thousand years, but I got grace for you, and I'm starting over. Let's get this thing moving, baby. And see, that's the heart of God. God didn't hold us to the past. If there's breath in your body, there's grace for your soul. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I stand and do a new thing. It's this, it's this inclination that Jesus is always saying, I'm not going to hold you to your past. So why are you holding to your past? Wake up and let me do something new in your life. And there's a whole group of men who are not going to experience it. Well, you just heard a clip from a friend of mine, an incredible, incredible preacher and teacher and just human, uh, Pastor Ricky Jenkins. Uh, he's the lead pastor at Southwest Church. And you just heard a clip from a message he gave from Ezra 3 um, entitled Move On. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us on the Craft and Character podcast. Steve, I love you, bro. It's always good being with you, man. And it's just good to see you, dude. And I love the beard. Oh, dude, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, man, give us a little sense of this teach because, I mean, I, I think, you know, I've been I've been um, following you probably for the last five years. I, I forget how I first heard of you, um, but when you ended up moving out to um, to the desert, out, you know, uh, Indian, Indian Wells, I... I started like listening more and um, I, I, you, dude, you just have a gift. It's just the easiest way to say it. You have a gift. I, I watched and marched through, I feel like you, maybe like nine months you did on the book of Galatians. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Just like going into it and um, did your, your ability to 
be so deep, be so thoughtful, be so practical, but like just gospel. Like it is, um, it is just pointing me to the life of Christ. And um, you're in this new series now uh, called Rhythm, and you just yeah. were just chopping up Ezra 3. Give us a little sense what you were doing in this talk. You've done this longer than me, Steve. So you know how some sermons you preach where, okay, this makes sense. And okay, that's the plan. And okay, let's calendar that. But kind of while you're preaching it, even you as a communicator are thinking, oh, whoa, whoa, it's big. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that Ezra 3 was that for me, standard New Year series, force everyone to be happy. <laughs> you're starting off well kind of series. And I just kind of got to thinking, what are spiritual disciplines that the 2023 culture needs to to acquiesce to, right? So some of them are obvious, right? The old school, read your Bible and pray and all this stuff. But then I got to thinking, we've been through so much that if we don't learn through the power of the gospel, how to move on from the past, right? So I just got to think, okay, maybe this text, maybe this text. And I was just reminded about Ezra when they're rebuilding the temple yeah. and young people who had been in captivity, never seen a temple, right? They're like, the foundation is being late. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. Cause they, they just got free. They've never seen this, but the old guys are crying. And yeah. because it paled in comparison to what was before. And if that doesn't capture what's happened to us with COVID and with the political fallout, and then just all the crazy swirly stuff like balloons flying over and all that kind of stuff, it's probably a lot of people that are thinking, man, I don't know if it'll ever be as good as what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. But how God is always a God I knew. So, bro, that was kind of what I was thinking behind that sermon. You just don't know, though, when you're until you're in it with God's people. Right. Because a sermon is a moment in history. Yes. A sermon is a moment in history where there's exchange for, between heaven and earth. That's what a sermon is. And, bro, it was historic. What I was feeling, what I was sensing, it became not just a sermon to preach to people, but it came became somewhat of a moniker that needs to be read over my soul and over my spirit in this season, right? So dude, that's kind of what the thought was. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully the people enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> well, but, but but speak to that. You're, you're talking about, a, you know, you're just a little definition of this sermon. Yeah. It's a moment in history. Talk, talk, talk more about that because- yeah, I've, I've, I've always felt like a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends, a lot of seminarians, a lot of professors, a lot of preachers, are underwhelmed when it comes to their expectation of what preaching is. Ooh. Now, I think the inverse of that is true too, right? There's some who are overwhelmed and just overinflated. And it's just like, not all that either. Yeah. yeah. But I feel by and large, most of us have too low an expectation for what needs to happen when yeah. the text is, is expounded upon. And so, you know, Crawford Larissa used to always say it was a moment in history and as I've developed and as I've grown, as I've shared, I've kind of added that it's this moment in history where there's an exchange between heaven and earth, right? And that's just being cliche and somewhat metaphoric. But I think the whole idea is that, man, there ought to be this expectation that God is going to do something historic in somebody's life mm -hmm. and in the life of this church and this moment and this people and this moment of time. Somebody's going to walk out here and they will always remember that date that church, what the songs were, what the preacher said, and what the spirit made them to feel in that moment. And I don't think we bring enough of that 
to our expectations and to the fore when we preach. So that's that's what I'm thinking when I'm preaching. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm praying about. Uh, that doesn't mean every sermon is going to be a bell ringer, right? Yeah. Just maybe a double, may just get on face, <laughs> right? But man, I'm thinking about it that way. I'm praying about it that way. I'm expecting it to be that for somebody in that room or somebody online when they're listening to that sermon, bro. So it's 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 it has got to be that, or else I think we're missing the potential what true gospel centered preaching really is, man. So, anyways, yeah, that's yeah. what. I think. No, no, I think it's interesting because you know we were chopping just a just a second ago, and you know I again I've been listening to your stuff and uh, for the last couple of years, and you know I was just trying to hear from you, like, hey, what's what's a message, you know, and. I mentioned make war, which was in that series. And you're like, oh, the people love that. But then you said, move on. The one that we just listened to, like it did yeah. something in you. Yeah. Talk about the difference because, you know, in a sense of this moment in history with an exchange between heaven and humanity yeah. that make war, man, it, it, you, you could feel that. Yeah. But like the way that you talked about what happened in Ezra three for you, yeah. Yeah. it was like preaching to yourself. Totally, dude. Totally. And almost kind of, you know, I've always thought that a, a, I won't say a preacher, but I will say a pastor ought to be at where his or her people are going, mm. right? Like a, a communicator of the gospel ought to be at, and then we were far ahead, right? Yeah. This we're ahead, right? Yeah. Like God has given us this, this very sanctioned, ordained, God-graced position where our people are here, but we're there and the spirit's somewhere there. That means we're better. Just means that's where we're at. Right. And I just feel like gospel preaching from a pastor's heart ought to be that I'm projecting where you guys are going to be, that you're not just yet, that I've been getting to all week. And so for me, it was the inverse with that move, <laughs> with that move on. I just felt like, no, this is where I'm at. I feel like the spirit is teaching me how to not bow down to the gods of attendance from 2019 Ooh. and the God of budget flow from 2019 <laughs> and the God of, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. right? Like the biggest problem was strategic planning. The biggest problem was, okay, what what's my three overarching objectives this year? The biggest problem was how are we going to get enough people at Christmas and Easter? Now my biggest problem is, okay, are we going to be centered on the gospel in these, these paradigmatic shifting times faced by our culture? And just like the people in Ezra, bro, I'm just feeling as I'm preaching, they're just like looking at what God's doing now with a bit of woe and sadness and, and loss because mm -hmm. they can remember how it used to look. Yeah. Although the, that second temple in Ezra 3, that was the temple where Christ would actually minister. The former one was bigger, but bigger doesn't mean better. And I'm writing it. I've written the sermon. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, bigger is not better, blah, blah, blah. But while I'm preaching it, it's just as it were, the spirit was saying, this is for you. Wow. This is you. You, you got, I want you to stop looking at this temple as a lesser temple. Mm. It's not better, Ricky. And and wake up to that. Smell that coffee because you're going to have to live there now so your people can get there later. And it was just, I felt like God used a sermon. He called me to preach to pastor me. He always does. Yeah. But that was one where I was just like, okay, this is something I tell myself every day. Yeah. 
Does that make sense, dude? That dude, it it really that 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 really resonates. And I think it's it's funny. It's, um, I I was speaking at an uh for like a week uh for the Salvation Army and a lot of their officers and mm-hmm. I I felt like really like out of nowhere to preach on Nehemiah. And I never, I mean, I preached like one-offs on Nehemiah, but never. And so I just, I just felt like it. And, but what hit me was Nehemiah eight. And it was when I kept just asking this question, why did this matter so much to Nehemiah? Why did this matter? Why did, why was it so important? And then all of a sudden you have in Nehemiah eight, Ezra gets up, and reads. Yes, that's rich. And and like the whole people are like weeping. That's right. Of the text. And it like right. it hit me. It was like, oh my goodness. Like it was this what Nehemiah saw. Like we make it about the wall. We make it about like a leadership plan, strategic planning, and like he like da 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 da. But like the visual of just him as a this was 52 days worth mm. that people would hear. My man Ezra read the text out loud. You know, like it just so when you said Ezra and I like you were teaching on move on, like I remember like it just like yeah, that, sure. it just was all just hitting in a in a spot for me. Um but I, I'm I'm curious because when you teach, um, you know, like I can go back and I I can I can tell you different messages in, in Galatians that yeah. you taught. You're just a master of the craft. But there's also these moments where I'm like he has, I know, like a massive iPad on his table mm-hmm. that I know that I see. Mm-hmm. Typically, sometime a water bottle. But mm-hmm. like you, you got you, you're preaching. You got this. But then there's these places where I'm like, I'm not saying it's improvising. Yeah, sure. But yeah. you've you've like, uh, like I think it was like the second teach in Galatians. You you uh, you were talking about um you know, a different gospel, a different gospel. And you, you, you use the two Greek words. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember them. You're smarter than me, but like you, you then, then, and then you, you, you quote Keller, if I remember right. And then you're like, you're like, Oh, Oh, this is, this was a line. If I remember it, uh, if, if you have to edit it, it's not it. And like, you just like, you just like went on. And I was like, that wasn't in his notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh. he just like, you it, like, and I just was like, he knows his, his teach and his yeah. stuff so well Yeah, that you are so free in the moment. Yeah. And it's like one of, it's one of the, the pieces that I, I so respect about your yeah. teach because it's, it's so a part of you, mm. but it's like, you're so a part of the room and what the spirit's doing that you have this level of freedom mm. um, that doesn't dismiss what you prepped for and what you sure. have. Sure. I, I, I don't like, how, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably a big fat. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's more of a hindsight perspective, right, Steve? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I went into it with that kind of thought process that, yeah, that's how I want to show up. And that's what I'm called and gifted to do. Right. So, you know, me and you've been doing this a while. So now we've captured what God has done and we not explain it. Yes. Um, and yeah. so for me, you know, some, some of that is my tradition growing up in the black church, which leaned heavily into the text, but also leaned heavily in, into the room mm. where I'm bringing this text, this, this, 
the center, right? This 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 steadfastness, this rock to bear upon, you know, vessels, right? That are not rocks, they're fluid. And, you know, how do you marry that together? And it's just a tradition that allowed for a little bit of spontaneity and expressivism. So some some of it's tradition, but more so it's just kind of, you know, with with you have when you have a perspective that a sermon is a moment in history, if it, it it's changing history, then I can't completely 100% prepare for it. Yeah. And I just come to a preaching event understanding that I'm bringing the five loaves and two fish, but Jesus is going to multiply it however he wants to, whenever he wants to. And I'm subject to that, right? So, I, you know, I've always explained it this way to young preachers. I always say, when you're a young preacher, you're always preaching more to the sermon than to the people, right? Young young preachers like, I'm just, I'm just going to get this sermon out. Yeah. Got to get this sermon out, A, B, C points, you know, three points in poem, and I'm going to get get there when all the while there's people out there that we sometimes forget to think about. And so for me, it's always making sure the people win more than the sermon. And so it's like Andy Stanley used to say, I'd rather be, I'd rather, I'd rather memorize half of this and communicate it clearly and compellingly than get all of it and not communicate it clearly and compelling. So some of that's in my brain too. So tradition, the whole sermon, uh, the people are more important than the sermon piece. The third piece though is this, as far as my process, Steve, I've always felt like it's best to use a metaphor of classical music versus jazz. Okay. Through the week, I'm preparing classical music that has these guidelines and rules and keys that are stanched, right? They should not be moved because all of these pieces have to come together to present this music. Uh, I prepare classically, but I present in jazz. Man. So that's what I'm thinking. I don't know what that means to, to others that are listening, but that's definitely what's going on in my soul, that there are rules, there are guidelines, there are rhythms that every one of us have as communicators. And so I'm just following those rules throughout the week. And I'm, you know... I'm in the text all day Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay, let me meet with my team and see what they think about this text. Let me consult a commentary that afternoon if I need to. Thursday, a lot of prayer, writing out the outline, wrestling, then write out a finished manuscript word for word. Then Friday, all day, I'm trying to house it. But when I preach it, I'm just thinking the spirit may want to change key. Yeah. The spirit may want to a crescendo here. While I, while I prepare to kind of fade to black. And so I've just been sensitive to that, to where I'm so comfortable with the classical that I can trust the jazz when wow. the spirit wants to bring it. Wow. And so that's, I hope those metaphors stick. I hope they make some sense, but that's what I'm feeling in those yeah. moments. And I found that the, you know, the Lord's going to mostly use that classical. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's what's feeding our people. That's what's giving them the nutrients they need, the stability. But boy, when he does the jazz. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's uh, it's it's more memorable. Right. It is a lot of times more fun. Sometimes it's more um, emotive. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it brings me into what the spirit has inspired in that text emotionally. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm feeling yeah. in those moments. Which well, it's, it's amazing because when you preach, there is a level of expectancy and dependency and they're like they're held in healthy tension every time I, I I hear you teach and and preach and um and obviously underneath that is like 
I mean, it's just biblical. It's gospel. It's yeah. it's like you're 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 taking me into context, language, all this stuff. It's genius. Sure. But sure. like there, there's this like expectancy and dependency. And I think if you don't, we often want that for our people, but we don't demonstrate it from the the platform. So true. And then oh, it's like when I when I can see in um someone doing that, so it's true. like that's when it actually becomes a moment in history because you're like, I remember that moment that like went off that went, that's when the piano came in and that went on a little run, you know, in the jazz, you know, and I think, man, that is that like Mm. homegrown Mississippi? Like, is that where just kind of, is that been something that, man, I, you, you just almost have to jump out of the nest and you learn, you learn it. Like, you know, I think I, th- I think to to give credit to my forebears, right? For sure, I've seen that modeled. I'm a fourth yeah. generation pastor, yeah. So wow. for sure, I've seen that model since I was a boy. But you know how it is, bro. When we're growing up, you can know something that you still don't believe. Ooh, that's good. And so I'm 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 guilty of that truth when it comes to those dependencies, right, and those expectations of the Spirit and those moments of the preaching event, right, to where just because I know God's going to do something doesn't mean I, I believe it in, in, yeah. in that moment. That had to be, that had to be matured in my soul. It still is, by the way, yeah. that had to be developed in my heart and in my mind. And like my grandfather used to always say, it takes preaching to make a preacher. Mm-hmm. Right. So you just had to, you just had to, man, crap. I got a single today, but <laughs> yeah. I would have just trusted what God was, he was trying to veer me off just a little bit. If I would have just trusted that, I knew it was there, but I was afraid. Yet God still used the words of a donkey to bless yeah. his congregation, right? <laughs> so I think some of that too is just trial and error in preaching yeah. to realize, to get comfortable in those spaces where I don't know where God's going, but I trust where God's going because we've done this before. We've yeah. been here before. He's going to use this moment. And again, to your point, right? We're not talking about 35% of the sermon. We're not talking about 50%. We're talking about those one or two moments. Yep. I think every Sunday where the Spirit, I recorded today, right? For this weekend, just recorded an hour ago. And, you know, manuscripts all done, finished the last point, supposed to just encourage everyone to pray. The Spirit brings to me this old Christian rap song from 1998 that I forced my boys to listen to all the time called Prayed Up. And so I'm just going through the motions all of a sudden about how we're always singing songs, Prayed Up, Prayed Up, Prayed Up. And I'm going through the songs. My camera guys are looking at me like, what is happening right now? Because they got the manuscript like this, you know, and I'm just Prayed Up, Prayed Up, Prayed Up. And I've learned that as long as I'm Prayed Up, the world can't bring me down. Mm. Yeah. Right. Steve, you and me are not that good. And not that good. That's a God thing yeah. in those moments. And if you're listening, learn that you're not that good. So sort of let God be that good in you and through you when you preach, I think is what I want our people to hear. Man, that's amazing. That like, this is like what you, what you bring is a healthy humility, but a, but a, a more greater authority in the text and a more greater authority in the gospel and, and in, in the way of Christ. And, um, 
I'm curious for you, you, you talked about the, the classical, you know, it's like, you're going to, you're going to get a little moment of jazz and you got your exactly. classical and you, and you walk through a little bit of your schedule, but give me, give me more like classical rules of in, preaching engagement with Ricky Jenkins. Like what, what are some other, you know, when you think through and you're like, man, th- these are, this is just some of how I, I um, almost go after this mm-hmm. moment in history, this exchange be- between God and, and humanity. T- talk about that. Sure, man. Well, it's all, it's all, you know, mental, spiritual, emotional is all woven together. Yeah. So some things I wouldn't delve into right are there. And I think I'd encourage anybody listening, right. That uh, consider the whole man or the whole woman, right. Like yeah. physicality matters. Uh, diet, matters, uh, how your rest rhythms matter, your your health and your marriage, all that good stuff. So for me, man, just like a, a typical a typical approach to a week of preaching, nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm in a series. So I'm already a little familiar with the lay of the land. I've already kind of got a calendar out. So it's in my brain and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do with that? Uh, I take a, a good Sabbath every Monday. I burned out at 28 and wow. I know what it means to not I know what it means to find your identity in your work. And so mm. a strong Sabbath on the golf course, shanking balls left and right uh, is going to be a better sermon, right? Yeah. So nothing on Monday, Tuesday morning, drop the kids off. And I'm just in the passage, opening up God's word. I ask him to give me a word. Every, every Tuesday I pray, will you give me a word for your church? Will you give me a word for my life? Will you give me a word for my marriage? Will you give me a word for my kids? And will you give me a word for the disciples, these 14 men that I'm discipling who are in my small group? That's the prayer, Steve. I pray every Tuesday. And I'm here to bear witness that my father has never not answered that prayer, not one time. And so be encouraged, brother and sister, that's working on your craft. My God has never not answered that prayer. And 30 years of salvation, 25 years of preaching, he's never not answered that prayer. Uh, so I read the text and old school Howard Hendricks, bro. Like I read it six, seven times, try to read it in two or three different versions. I'm making some observations. I'm a memorized by writing guy. Yeah. So yeah. even though the notes app is there, I don't like to type it. I've got my little notes and I just like to write and jot and I house the text. And usually by the end of, I got this from Kenton B. Shore. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, nine weeks out of 10, at the end of the day, Tuesday, I can preach that message, albeit terribly. I can preach it by the end of the day. Yep. Won't have a polished intro, right? But it'll have the three points in the poem that if hell broke loose on a Wednesday and pastors got to do what pastors got to do, I'm okay. Yeah. And so that's something that I've carried. Wednesday morning, I got this from John Calvin and his company of pastors. Every Friday morning, they got together yeah. and just would preach to each other and talk about God's word. We do that with our team here. Whosoever will, may them may they may come, and we talk about the text. I tell them where I'm going, but then I just shut my mouth and listen because mm. I've missed something and I hear it. And after Wednesday morning, Steve, I believe not only can I preach the sermon, but it'd be good. So by Wednesday morning, just because I've met with my team, I believe this is gonna be good because they their perspectives have been brought to bear. Wednesday, I'm meeting all day, can't barely even touch it. Thursday, the team has very graciously respected the fact, don't talk to Ricky, that's that day, right? Any other day, walk in anytime you want to. I'm wrestling and I'm trying to go home with a word for word, 2,000 word 
uh, four pages, Times New Roman font, inch and a half spacing or 1.5 spacing, uh, manuscript word for word. And then Friday morning, I come to the office. I record every Friday at 11. And Brian Loritz taught me 20 years ago, spend as much time on presentation as you do preparation. That's right. So I'm trying to make sure that when I preach, I don't need to depend on notes. I may glance at them, but I don't need them as it were. And that's my rhythm, man. That's my classical that that I bring uh, to the table on Sundays. Dude, that's so good. You know, Kenton, I mean, uh, just a legend, but, you know, Kenton would often, I, you know, for any of you listening, he'd say, if you had to preach tonight, what would you say? If you had like just, and I think anytime you're in that preparation and you're, you're, right. you're doing your sermon notes, like to keep asking, if I had to preach this message tonight, what sticks out? What would I say? You know, so that's so, so good. Ricky, one of the things that you do um, that I feel like is unique post kind of COVID reality is your yeah. team, like that you said, uh, films on Friday. And yeah. then, and then you guys kind of put this like studio audience or studio background kind of uh, you're preaching. And then you guys will do your service and it's like in room, but like online, it's, it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. I, I talk about that. And yeah. talk about the 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 why behind that, and sure. then also like what's amazing is your eye contact when you teach on Friday at eleven, dude, is yeah. phenomenal. Like I yeah. didn't, I wouldn't have thought you manuscripted one, mm. you know, every word because even mm. at Friday at eleven, like your dude, your eye contact, like every one of you sh- listening, you should just go and watch because the sermon. And the way that he communicates with his eyes, like he, there's, you can speak to a camera and you could speak through a camera, bro. You, you speak through a camera, which is remarkable, but yeah. just give us a little bit, the, the behind the scenes, like philosophy sure. for why you guys do it this way. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, every church is different. And a lot of that is us leaning into our context. And a lot of uh, that is in an embrace of this is our best guess at what is working for now. Yeah. And we've just got, that we'll see what's happening next month and everything, <laughs> like everything else in COVID, right? So I record every Friday, 11 o'clock, and we've kind of bifurcated the experiences whereby, you know, there's a, uh, we've said, okay, online, we're going to look at it evangelistically. Weekends, we're going to look at pastorally. And so the whole idea is that recording is just going to YouTube. And what the reason I'm still recording, the reason why I'm still doing something where I'm looking into people's eyes is to honor the people that we won over amidst the pandemic who've never been here, right? Could care less about me making jokes about context they can't possibly understand about a desert, right? They just used to Ricky for a year and a half was just doing this. And it's so many of them, just like it is at your church and everywhere else that we just felt like we can't leave their experience behind. So that was part of it. But I want everybody to hear this too unapologetically. The other side of it, Steve, is your second sermon is always your best, period. So the second time you preach it, it's always the best time you preach it. And we got to thinking, we had four services before the pandemic. We're down to two now. Sundays at 9 and 11 used to have a Saturday night. I've got little kids, and the pandemic taught me that I want them to love their daddy and know their daddy. And that Saturday night was in the way. So unless there's like 20,000 people that show up next month, right? (laughs) We've decided that we're going to bless our staff 
and stay away from Saturdays, at least until my kids are driving age and mom and daddy are not popular anymore. <laughs> That's some of the thoughts. We hope that we'll see what God does. If you want to yeah. make God without telling your plans. But my point is this. I just learned that Saturday night service, my brain turns on at 10 a.m. It doesn't matter if I'm at a soccer game. Doesn't matter if we're at breakfast. I'm looking through my children. Yeah. Thinking about that sermon that night. Yep. And me recording it. Yeah. It's two or three staff guys time for an hour. But Camden gets a dad on the weekend. Wow. And to be quite honest, Southwest gets a non-stressed out pastor before that nine o'clock. And we've just found that the fruit of that to be sweeter than whatever it was before. So that's some of the some of the technological, methodological approach. But a lot of it is us unapologetically taking care of us mm. to the point where it's just like, you know what, big, again, Ezra 3, bigger doesn't necessarily mean better, right? right. So I always, I tell everybody, hey, how's your church? Is it smaller like it was before pandemic? Like we ask everybody else. And of course, it's all that. And I'll say this, we are smaller, but purer. Mm. Wow. And I take pure, it tastes better, it feels better, it's sweeter, and it's making more impact. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of where we're, where we're at. We'll go to a live audience on the other side of Easter or recording in front of people just to kind of bring to bear some of that yeah. spontaneity. But we're going to train those audiences that Ricky's not looking at you. You are here for the people that we're yep. witnessing to. So this is an act of your evangelistic yep. expression. Right. So we'll see how it goes, bro. That's what we're yeah. doing. Dude. Well, even for, you know, anyone who's just tuning in, um, you got to go check it out because even the way that they do is really kind of unique because it's not just like, Hey, we just cut to a room and he teaches that he does like a, he or whoever's teaching from their staff will do like a 30 second. And then it goes into like a little bit of a bumper, just reminding you who Southwest is. Bro, and you know it, us well. Oh, bro, is, I'm just saying from like, you feel I'm the humble. evangelistic side, bro. Yes. Like I, I, I listen to you, man. I love listening Praise to you. God. So like you, you have that sense and then it like right back in, but it's a, it's a cool kind of like the ways that you have just, tried to to take that space and from someone who you know grew up in southern california who who knows of indian wells like i just thought man i assumed from the outside one it felt evangelistic two that you have um a whole bunch of snowbirds from illinois who come out for six months and then they're gone like you know because like out to where you are uh and it was like oh i wonder how much is like that when you said the desert context knowing that context like do you guys find a this time of year a kind of a ballooning oh uh, growing? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's just a different. We are we're in a uh, what's called a retirement community. So think Naples, Florida, Park City, Utah. Right. The average home in the Coachella Valley is a second home of a Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. The average home, like I, I live in a neighborhood with fifty-four homes because it's nothing but gated communities. Yeah. Fifty-four houses. Twenty-seven of them are from Canada. It's the average home in the desert. And so we are what we call ourselves desert rats, which means you live here year round. But then there's the snowbird from Madison, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois, Edmonton, Alberta, Vancouver, Canada, and the list goes on. What happened in the pandemic, though, Steve, is that these folks who, by and large, are at some small Lutheran church or this little Anglican church and love coming to this big box of an evangelical, you know, everybody's hands are lifted kind of place. No liturgy at all. <laughs> so for them, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm being stretched. And they take that energy back home. Well, the pandemic, 
hardly none of their little churches, right, were online. And so they became year rounders with wow. us. the wow. online piece that happened. To answer your question, yeah, man, we are a church that by and large, we have our bulk of the people year round, but around October, we 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 go up a little bit attendance yeah. wise, but around February, which is now, it's just it's packed. It's not enough chairs, right? And so it's just crazy. It brings a lot of excitement to us because these folks are seeing something called a yellow sun. they're just thrilled and they bring that energy to us and our economy exists right because these people come down and so there's not a love-hate thing nine out of ten people at my church have a job and have a means because these people come to our town and so there's love and there's grace and there's acceptance and so it's a real sweet thing dude it's unique uh you know, it's it's it makes it hard to raise money, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it is a beautiful thing. <laughs> one one of the other things uh, that I I I respect about you, um, it just I feel like you have a real heart for formation, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I I I find myself just like constantly, um, and again, you know. The the gospel, the the Christ, like all all of the way that you'll teach, you know, you can do this through Galatians, just like the way you walk through this stuff. But there is a sense of a spiritual disciplines formation um, that just it it often doesn't find. I don't find it with very many charismatic voices. You know what I mean? That can move a room. So like you you hold this like high, high authority of the text. You hold this deep expectancy dependency on the spirit. And yet you you bring this like almost practical, formational, um, even even um, you know, your 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 cousin and I were talking like uh recently and and he was like, dude, what Ricky does with with spiritual and I was like I know I know just like the the formation side it's like a uniqueness of the of of doing these three pieces really really well um I, I sometimes see people who do the the text and formation well sometimes I see people who do the text and spirit well but to do these three um, I think it's really, really unique to your sound and gifting. Um, was that something that kind of came, uh, has always been true or has that been something like, man, the emergence over the last like 15 years that you were like, dude, I, I read some stuff and it just got me. Is it out of the burnout? What, what was it? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, man, first of all, I'm very humbled, man, that your person perception. I, I don't think about myself that, that way. And it's just encouraging, right? To, well, and I to could hear. be wrong. If I'm saying something that you're like, Steve, you're, this is a terrible Tony Romo breakdown of my teeth. You know what I mean? You know? Tony Romo, that's hilarious. Well, I, I, I will say, I will say this, you know, there's a, there's a big part of my, my soul uh, that's trying to be like my great grandfather. Oh, tell me more. And, well, he was just kind of had a prophetic gift mm. and uh, not a Bible thumper, yeah. right? But definitely lived. This is the word of truth. This is this is what you need, right? Uh, and then there there was my grandfather, who is the most devout person I've ever known. 
as far as how he devoted himself before the Lord, eighth grade education. But my my grandfather probably read his Bible. I wouldn't be surprised if my father, my grandfather's read his Bible a hundred times. Knew the scripture. I remember his first visit here to the desert right out of Pearl, Mississippi, and we're just driving around. And he's just enthralled by mountains, right? The, the mountains of the desert are on top of you. They're like, like I'm looking at one. It's right there, right? Like right there, the mountain. And the old man is quoting Steve seemingly every passage in the Bible that includes a mountain. So he's just in the back seat. He's just like, yeah, before the mountains were brought forth, ever thou have. He just back to quote scripture to himself. And so just prayer and fasting, and that's who he was. And then, man, I love my daddy, who is, um, there's no better room reader than Richard Jenkins Sr., a preacher in Indianola, Mississippi, the world may never hear of. Um, but to watch daddy um, coming up, how he was so sensitive to God's voice and God's spirit. And, and dad kind of had a prophetic edge to him, too. Dad kind of knew where to change a sermon. Like, he he was a king of sermon changes. I was going to preach this, but the Lord is saying this. And he was, <laughs> so I don't know. Just hearing your question, immediately I just thought of my fathers uh-huh. and, and how I saw them show up. Great-granddad with that word. Granddad with just that devoted rhythm of life that he, he had a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And then just dad and that spontaneity. It's just germane. It's just natural to him. So I wouldn't have said that I do that. I wouldn't have said I was trying to do that. Just hearing your question, I was like, well, okay, I know what you're saying. I see that. I know I didn't do that. So yeah. let me, okay, I think that's dad. I think that's granddad. I think that's great granddad. So, so that's so, the legacy, um, the power of that is so beautiful. Mm. I'm sitting down with Camden mm. and I say, Hey, this is, this is, this is, this is uh, what your dad says about your, your great, great mm. granddad and your great granddad and your mm. grandpa. Yeah. Camden, what, what would you say about your dad? Mm. Wow. Well, that struck up the tear, bro. <laughs> um, so w- one of my prayers and my life, Steve, and it's the reason I declare that truth when I read the text every Sunday. I read from the greatest book ever written, and I bear witness this day. All of its words are true. Every time I open God's words, that's my kind of my doxology, right? That's that's what I declare. Um, I almost tear up every Sunday when I say it because yeah. that's I feel like that's the calling of my life. And I've told April this, and I tell my congregation this. If the Lord allows me to to die softly, where everyone's gathered around, I want to be able to to hand um, this book over to Camden and say, "Here you go." Oh, I've been crying. I kept it intact. Your turn. So that's what I, my my prayer is that my boy would say that, Daddy is handing down this book to me. And then someday it'll be my turn. Um, the kids are now old enough to make fun of their dad preaching. <laughs> so now I'm watching them run around the house and say, uh, you believe to believe the gospel. <laughs> and then they come up to me and say, preach the gospel, Ricky. <laughs> you know, what in the world is happening? But I think Camden today would say, 
in his own eight-year-old way. And and the words are passion. Yeah. Feeling. But I think, I hope he'll be able to say, that man really did believe this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he'll be able to translate, right? The nuance of historicity and context and grammar. <laughs> but I hope, man, if all he could say is that he believed it. Wow. And he believed it such that I believe I'm supposed to believe it too. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's all we want for our people, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, that's what Bart used to say, right? Like Bart used to have his company of preachers and he would say, young men, the reason they keep coming back is to see if you still believe it. Uh. And I've been doing this now for 20 years and that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. true. How yeah. shall they hear without yeah. a picture? And and talk about that because I think you know part of this is you know you're you're you know one of the best at your craft, and you know we can we we talked earlier about you know whatever post COVID is in the last few years, you know as we were talking about moving on and Ezra three and you know just all of whether civil unrest political you know, just all of it. And, and that still continues and it will continue in 2024 and all the stuff that's happening. And yet you do have people who keep coming back to see if you believe it, you know, Ray Johnston always talks about, you know, the, the greatest gift you can give yourself is encouraging yourself. Um, You know, it's like, it's like, that's what like a leader's job has to just keep encouraging your own spirit and self how how have you post a 28-year-old burnout? How have you in the midst of just the uniqueness of the last few years continued to hold on and believe that? Um when I'm sure it was easy in some ways and sometimes where it was really hard, you know? Like how? It's definitely dance, right? Like yeah. I think God uses uh, peacetime and wartime, right, to, to sanctify us and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And just like you, and I'm sure everybody listening, uh, the pandemic was wartime. And um, I almost, um, almost two years ago to the day, Steve, was thinking about writing my letter of resignation. Wow. And I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know, uh, the weight of being the one who's the encourager. Um, who needed to be probably more encouraged than I ever had before, right? Yeah. With the weight of all the varying expectations our sheep were going through, you know? And, the, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody, any pastor is saying, I did everything right. Everything I did in the pandemic was perfect. I don't think anybody's saying that. Lord knows I'm not. But just the weight of what it felt like to to not be liked. Yeah. Wow. Have to deal with that idol in the soul, Coupled with just honestly, as if I can be a little selfish, being a being a black brother amidst the George Floyd moment in a church that is a valley that's two percent African American. So I had many of our people empathizing with me, but no one really understands it, right? And uh questioning, am I really the one that can truly authentically lead this congregation if this is gonna be the new normal? Is that fair to them? Is that fair to me? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right. So, those, so, so all those weights, but, but, but my point is this, bro. Um, when it got that hard, the thing that centered me in April, the thing that 
reconciled us to, nope, we're just going to roll up our sleeves and keep going. In fact, I remember we were just talking about leaving and I was talking about writing my letter, you know, because it's just too heavy. And But I'm just talking to April about it. But I was like, well, I, I may as well start praying. And I says, God, this is something that's on my heart. And it was almost instantaneously the spirit was like, ah, yeah, not, that's not me. I didn't tell you to do that. So what, whatever this is, stop it. It's just like, oh, okay. But my point being, preacher listening to this podcast today, do not let go of the virtue of calling. Mm. Mm. You can leave something that's not a calling. You can quit on something that's not a calling. In fact, you should. But what kept me was, I know five years ago when this church, this sweet church brought me out here, I knew that the bush was on fire and wasn't burning. Yeah. And I heard in my soul, the voice of God saying, this is where I want you to serve. And I want you to love on these people as best you can. Would you do that for me? I knew that was the call. And I guess that's my encouragement to anyone here. If you're called, you can. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not called, it's okay not to. <laughs> and so, so, and you know, there's all nuance in there, right? Like how God did that, how God showed up. Um, but I think if it's not centered on the fact that, yes, I am called to do this for such a time as this, we're already kind of, um, you know, sailing against the wind, as it were. I think outside of that is friends like you and dads like Kenton B. Shore, Ray Johnston, Tom Mercer, uh, and so many others who have shepherded me that give me license to call him up. So I want to brag on Kenton and just making sure pastors are pastored. You know Kenton. I know Kenton. He yeah. is my pastor. He's me and April's pastor. I'm sitting in my office. I mean, this guy built one of the more influential churches in America, right? Yeah. Thirteen, fourteen thousand, whatever Mariners is retired now, but still saging like crazy. This guy who shouldn't have time for me makes time to come to this office. He refuses to meet me at a restaurant because he's like, "You're too busy. You don't have time to go to a restaurant. That's a ten minute drive there, ten minute drive back. Three or four people are going to stop you and talk to you. Oh, you're an idiot. Don't ever meet someone here. Go to. I'll come to your office, and he'll sit on that couch." I'll tell him what the problem is. He'll say, yeah, you're an idiot, but that's okay. This is what you yep. do. Yep. And then he'll stand up. He'll stand up, Steve, and he'll tear up with tears down his eyes, pointing his face at his fingers. Saying, you're going to be okay, buddy. You're going to figure that yep. you're going to be fine. Yep. That's, that's how I do it. Yeah, dude. That's so good. Two, two, two last questions. Um, sure. And, and Kenton, you're, you're so spot on. I mean, he is a process genius, um, and and he just uh, it's unbelievable the way his mind works. Unbelievable, um, and and arguably has led one of the best successions that nobody ever talks about. Just we, like I'm begging him to write the book. Oh my goodness, Eric, could you write the book? Right. I mean, the fact that he did a a pastoral class with 500 people and basically said. Um, I need you to commit to the next person for three years financially, volunteer, serving, attending. After three years, if you don't like the guy, if I'm fine, whatever. But I need you to do this for three. They all signed. I mean, just like the stuff that he thought through to set Eric up so that Eric could be Eric. I mean, just you sit there and you go, gosh, like what that could be for so many others. Anyways, all I say, learn from Ken Shore. That's beautiful. Unreal. Um, 
you said something earlier that where Southwest is today, there's a purity, mm-hmm. there's a purified. It's smaller in some ways, mm-hmm. but there's this purity. Mm-hmm. In September of 2020, you couldn't see that. Mm-hmm. Now that you can see that, does not take away any of the feelings mm-hmm. of what you were going through and processing through. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know in your life, knowing you, you've had other moments in that where you can look back and go, gosh, like hindsight's 2020 Swindoll says like you, you could, you, you have these moments where you're like, Oh gosh, like great is thy faithfulness. Like God's so faithful. So steadfast. Yeah. Um, to hear you so like I was ready, the spirit met me, but then to, to hear you have that clear, clean vision of this, this beautiful purified bride and process of Southwest. Um, how do you, how do you hold on to that? Like, how do you categorize that? Those kinds of stories in your life? Are they like, and I just, I just carry these faith. They're like altars. They're like stone. Like what, how, how do you, how do you make sense? Because there are going to be more tricky times, but mm-hmm. like, how do you hold those as a, as a pastor as a man, uh, you know, uh, in in such uncertainty, how do you how do you categorize that? Yeah, such a good question, man. You you should think about having a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. You know, and um, for me, um, I don't know how this resonates with others. I don't know of many truths, many um marquee moments, many kind of like, okay, this is a life-altering lesson, mm. our experience that I learned. Steve, I don't know of, I can't think of one I haven't preached through. Wow. Now, that's just me. It's just how I wired. I don't know of any aha that I haven't preached a sermon on. <laughs> I don't know any life-changing moment or crux or tension that even if it was two years later that I had, I don't know of anything. And it's something that cements it in my spirit and my soul. Don't get me wrong when I'm in it, right? April teaches me something about marriage. Steve teaches me something about preaching. Don't get me wrong. I write it down and I, you know, codify it and it's there, but it's something that about preaching it that cements it. Yes. It's something about the witness or the testimony of preaching it that in my brain guarantees the fact that Satan will never take it away. So that's just, that's just who I am, right? I don't know how to not have an experience with God vicariously with another person or in a, a lesson I learned from a book. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make it a part of me and, until it happens in the preaching event. And I guess that's from a desire to share it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it happens one-on-one and, and, you know, interactions and stuff. But, bro, for me, until uh, those moments at the end of most every sermon, when I walk from the pulpit and I come down with our people, because I love that. I just love being close to them. And I love what God's doing. I love people. You know, I love looking at them while God's changing them. 
Yeah. I love being the preacher who's being the vessel for the communication, but it's really the spirit. I almost feel like I'm on the pews with them while the spirit's talking to them. So I like to be close to them and say, you're going to be all right with this. It's something about that that makes it full circle. Yeah. It becomes categorized. It becomes organized. It becomes a part of the system. Yeah. Of my soul, of what God doing in Ricky Jenkins. So, man, that's how I think about that. Dude, that's that's so beautiful, though. It's like, again, just, I mean, think about this for anyone who's listening. You know, earlier in the, the podcast, you, you heard Ricky, he just described it almost being like one step ahead of his people often. And that a sermon from Crawford Leroy, it's wisdom is that it's a moment in history. Ricky adds brilliantly, you know, this exchange between heaven and humanity. Like there's, there's this something, but the way that you just described it is, a, is mm-hmm. for me, the word that kept coming up is yes, it's a moment in history, but there are some sermons that are a revelation That's right. of, of a moment <laughs> in history, you know, and like you, that, that piece of like, which is allow that one step ahead. I, man, this is, Okay. Bro, you've just given me so much to to think about. What I love doing the podcast for me is it just like, yeah, I want to I want to preach. I want to like it makes me want like just I love the way you think. I'm, I've start, I've started ending my podcast with just a, uh, just a simple question, mm-hmm. and it's 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 basically like, you know, we're all we all if we think about it from basketball, if we think about you know we all got parts of our game that we love. There's parts of our game that we're like working on right now. Sure. Um. Sure. What what part of the preaching um, from prep to preach to evaluation that you're like, it's just something for me. I, I got to give a little bit more attention to. What a great question. (laughs) Oh, I love that question. And I know the answer. It's, it's, it's immediately. I know what comes to mind. I'm working on this. It's, it's somewhat ancillary kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a major feature of preaching, but it's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll use a metaphor. It's tying the bow. And uh, what I mean by that is I'm learning, like I'm very story formed in my preaching, yep. very illustrative, right? Um, nine, nine out of 10 sermons, I'm going to open with a story or a moment in history, right? Just to set up an epic moment to give people a reason to want to keep listening. So that's kind of how I'm yep. wired. I don't always do it, but most of the times I'm starting off in 1954. Yeah, you, know, you know, all the things. And I'm learning, like I've, for years now, I found a line in that opening introduction that cements mm, or yeah. captures what this text is about, which is the reason why. I'm, so I found, I, I just did it last Sunday. So last Sunday I tell this story <laughs> about... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the whole idea is celebrate, learn how to party, learn how God can use the most rudimentary routines of your life uh, to, to, to show God's kindness and love in and through blah, blah, blah. And the opening story is about this guy named Leroy, 1960s Memphis, who worked at this old textile mill, worked for a curmudgeon of a guy. And every day he'd stop by his desk and say, Mr. Bonds, what you need is Jesus. Have a nice day. And folks are just laughing because he said it every day. And I'm just, Mr. Bonds, what you need is Jesus. Now, have a nice day. Well, he ends up leading Mr. Barnes to Jesus. Mr. Barnes becomes a pastor, and they said that every day he would close his service and say, tell a home Baptist church what you needed, Jesus. Now, have a nice day. And everybody laughed, and it was sweet. Well, I preach a 40-minute sermon. Well, last Sunday, and this is what's been happening the last year that I'm trying to work on. 
And it just came up to me in the moment. But I'm closing the sermon. Everybody's moved. Praise Jesus. Good day of exposition. I do the ironic blessing to close every Lord bless you. Keep you both. So I said, oh, one more thing, y'all. Sour church? What you need is Jesus. Now have a nice day. So tying the bow yes. where what got them into it ushers them away from it so they can become it in their lives. And I'm just encouraging the preachers listening. You're listening to this because you're in love with words and sentences. <laughs> that's why that's why you're on this podcast. So are people. Yeah. They just don't know it. And so when you bring to bear a thread that wove it all together, that's what I'm learning how to do, Steve, is how to tie that bow and close that moment where it's a packaged present now. Because when it's packaged and it's got a pretty bow, they feel good about sharing it and giving it away because because they can, right? Ricky just tied the bow for me. Steve just tied the bow for me. Now I know how to present it. And that's the point I'm making is that the better we, we thread those things together, not only do they understand it more and it impacts them more, you've now packaged it in such a way where they can do what you really want them to do. Hey, mom, listen to this. Hey, husband, listen to this. Hey, kids, listen. Hey, coworker, listen to this. Steve tied the bow. <laughs> it's, just, it's so simple. Here. And that's what I'm working on. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Ricky Jenkins. I don't even know how to close a podcast after he just tied <laughs> such an epic bow. But I hope, I hope for every one of you listening, uh, you will just take what he just shared and uh, you will go give it away to your people. Uh, go inspire them, move them. And uh, man, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, Ricky Jenkins, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a big just Love fan you, uh, of you. And I'm grateful for your friendship, but just grateful for um, the way in which you bear witness mm. to what is actually good and true and holy <laughs> and noble. Um, and his name is Christ. So, yeah. man, much love, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Much thank love, you. Bro. Encouraged by you, dude. Love you, man. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. And hopefully you can go download and check out Imagine by Carrington Gaines and Four City Worship. Um, but also, man, preaching today, they have a ton of stellar articles that are just available. Um, and they're, they're doing such amazing stuff. I, I just saw that Steve Norman and is interviewing Mark Laberton. And I just such good, good content is there. Go check out PT. It's just amazing for your soul, for your study, for your prep. They got sermon ideas. It's just a a, a space to spark. And especially during the holiday season, when you're looking for, man, what do I do during Lent? And what do I do during Good Friday? What do I do during Easter? Check out Preaching Today. Food for the Hungry, man, they are doing stellar work when it comes to uh, many places that are forgotten for seeing in our world. And especially in Turkey and Syria right now, go to fh.org. And if you ever got questions about Hope International University, they've got undergraduate preaching programs, biblical studies programs, master's programs, online programs. Um, it's my alma mater. I'd love to tell you about it. You can always reach out to me at steve at steveryancarter.com, steve at steveryancarter.com. But my friends, may you, may you, may you take what you learned, put it into practice, and may you preach with a fire, with a conviction, with a sense that the spirit 
It's just stirring in and through you, calling people into the presence of the one true God. Much love, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.